Hello everyone, this is Amir and you are listening to International Voices at Queen's, a supportive listening space for members of the university community recorded on the occupied lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee people. Today we're talking about culture shock and our first special guest is Sabrina Masood from Bangladesh. She is a PhD student in English department and currently works as the International Students Affairs Commissioner in Society of Graduate and Professional Students or SGPS. And our second guest is Dr. Ian Corner from England. He is the manager at the Student Academic Success Services or SAS at Queen's. Hello Sabrina and Ian and welcome to the program. Thank you Amir. Hello, Amir, and hello, listeners. All right. Today, we're talking about culture shock, the weird experience people may have when moving to an environment with different culture from their own. Psychologists have provided various models to show the stages of cultural adjustment. In most of these models, immigration and moving to another country mostly starts with a phase called honeymoon. <laughs> where everything is absolutely great. <laughs> True. You love everything, the new language sounds nice, people are friendly, roses are red, violets are blue, and many other things. But after a while comes the second stage, which is called negotiation or anxiety stage, where the novelty wears off, you gradually encounter simple difficulties, and you start to get irritated by the differences. Sabrina, can you tell us about your experience in Canada? I have so many, but uh, I guess like uh, culture shock uh, is something that I was kind of prepared for coming to Canada because I did my uh, master's in USA. Mm -hmm. So I expected that I would be pretty ready to gel into Canadian culture. However, I'm quite, I was quite surprised because although it's a North American location, However, Canadian culture is quite different than American culture. So that was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because I was thinking like, you know, like a stereotypical way that, oh, everyone in North America would be same some way, mm -hmm. but quite different when it came to Canada. And one of the things that uh, really impressed me and I would consider it kind of culture shock is the conversation around mental health something mm. that we do not do back home at all like mental health related issues are taboo so i was quite surprised at the beginning when the conversations around how stress impacts my work or how much uh, load i can take mm. was taken under consideration in an academic setting so like before canada i was used to working non-stop 24-7 without any pause and I didn't even realize that it should be a ticket under consideration that the mental stress that involves that kind of work. However, it was such a beautiful surprise to me when I got into the Queen's uh, academic setting and there is uh, options for accommodations. There's always a conversation about how much you need to take care of your stresses while you're studying. So that was quite a interesting experience for me yeah well that was 
and still is shocking for me. Mm-hmm. I can remember the first shocking fact for me was about the city of Kingston itself and the fact that the city doesn't have that many public trash cans or garbage collectors. Or for another fact, people drive or cross the streets very differently here. And my list continued even in in the academic context. Like after a while, I realized that I don't need to stand up whenever the professor enters a room. Mm -hmm. For all of these kinds of experiences, we might be very stressed or experience a challenging situation. Ian, can you share with us your experience in coping with these situations in Canada? Absolutely. I'm a multiple-time international student. Um, I was an international student in Russia, and I was an international student when I came to Canada as well for graduate school. Before I came to Canada, I actually lived in Finland for a while as well. When I came throughout the first three or four months, maybe I didn't really ever have that honeymoon stage in, in those first few months. I guess I probably did for the first week or so. I was probably pretty excited, and I met people, and you know there was an orientation, and it was... It was, let's just say, fun and say no more about that. Um, and then and then I started discovering, well, the food isn't as similar as I thought it would be. And there are things that you could do in England that you can't do in Canada. The stores close at a different time. Why do they add tax to the price of things that you buy at the store after you go to the checkout <laughs> instead of just figuring out the tax on the price tag at the beginning? And then the graduate program maybe wasn't quite as I expected it to be. And I think... The fact that the differences were there and I kind of hadn't prepared myself that they would be made coming to Canada way harder than going to Russia, way harder. And you know what? In Canada, it was only made harder in January when the weather got really cold mm. and, and dark and it was bleak. And that was where that started to really sink in. December, January, that was that was a difficult time in my graduate program. And I, I don't often talk about it, but I considered quitting graduate school at that point and just going and doing something else. Oh, no. Uh, what did you do then? I mean, how did you come out of that situation? I would say that it's kind of not in the British culture necessarily to be very open about emotions, to talk about those things. It's in Britain, like people are like, God, don't tell me any of that stuff. I don't want to know about your problems. <laughs> and so I, I wasn't really used to talking about things in that way. So I, I didn't seek out any of the help at the university. Hmm. Things were catalyzed for me at U of T. I got super, super sick in my first year. I was really ill in like February or March of my first year of graduate school. I got some horrible virus. And that was the point where I had to really start talking to people and talking to my supervisor and professors and saying, right, I can't get this work done by whatever the deadline was, April or May, because I'm lying here and half unconscious. Of course, I can't <laughs> do this work, right? And that was, that was, it was a good bonding moment, actually, for me and my supervisor. She was such a lovely and supportive lady. She was just the best supervisor you could hope for. She also gave me a kick up the butt when I needed to actually get things done. And she was always honest. Hmm. I think one of the interesting things for me then, if I were to take a message from that, is that many international students come to Canadian universities and Canadian universities are desperate to help, right? There's so many support yeah. services, the support service for this and that and everything else. But students often don't know what they are and what they mean. And students may not be ready or even interested in kind of getting the help that is being offered. I, I wish I'd maybe looking back, actually sought more support in that area. Hmm. Well, maybe here's a good time to talk about the resources that Queen's offers. Sabrina, can you share with us your experience in using the university services? 
Oh, Queen's Wellness Service is like my go-to place. And of course, I like particularly during pandemic, I needed all the support the wellness service could provide along with mental health support and the support that TAO now provides. It's the Queen's Online Wellness website that you can access and you can get resources through there. And of course, uh, for me, PSAC and working with PSAC was 901, uh, sorry, 900, our local student union, working with them and working in clubs like the the Social Justice Committee, these help, these resources help a lot. I also used Agnes Etheridon Art Center's workshops that they offer for sketching and drawing and modeling. I took classes there. They offered me bursary, uh, so I was able to take classes for free with renowned artists at Queen's, Dan Hughes. So these are different ways that I feel Queen's sustained me during the pandemic. Wow, you have been able to utilize a lot of resources. Well done, Sabrina. (laughs) So at this point, let's promote some of the services that university offers. Hello, my name is Amanda Gray, and I'm one of the international student advisors at the Queen's University International Center. I'm also a regulated international student immigration advisor known as Aresia. International student advisors take on many roles at QUIC. We provide daily advising, information sessions on cultural transition, immigration, taxes, and many other things. We also plan and run a number of programs such as the QUIC International Student Orientation and Welcome Program and WorldLink, QUIC Social Activities Program. However, our main role is to support international students as they transition to studying at Queens. We are here to answer your questions and connect you with resources at Queens. Hi all, my name is Lee Richard, and I work at the Queen's University International Centre, also known as QUIC. At QUIC, my role is the International Training Coordinator. In my role, I develop and deliver workshops to students that focus on developing intercultural competence and also building participants' awareness of the influence of culture on their day-to-day interactions. One of the more popular programs that QUIC offers during the academic year is the Intercultural Awareness Certificate. However, we also uh, develop and deliver workshops to student-related groups on campus by request. So if you have any questions on potential uh, workshops or programming, please feel free to email me at lr77 at queensu.ca. Thank you. Before moving to Canada, my wife and I were wondering how people interact with each other in various situations, and I was kind of worried about the culture gap. Uh, Is it easy to make friends? Am I going to do something that irritates people? So we tried to look for some of the social norms on the internet before coming to Canada. However, I got surprised several times since coming to Canada. Like the one time that just before the pandemic I was in a class, 
and one of the students just blew his nose very loudly, and I was shocked. And not only from his behavior, but also from the fact that nobody seemed to be bothered. In Iranian culture, or maybe also in other cultures, it's very disrespectful to do such a thing. So I was wondering, Ian, what do you think about how to avoid breaching the social norms, especially in Canada? In some ways, you can learn some of the norms by reading them, but I think you're right that you have to live them. You have to live it and experience it and figure out which of the norms are going to affect you in your day-to-day life. And the, the example of crossing the road is a good is a good one because I, I really noticed that people in England, you cross the road, if there's a gap in traffic, you just go, right? Whether you're at the crosswalk or not, whether the light is green for you or not, you just you just walk, right? If you can, but people in Canada tend to wait at the crosswalk until the light turns green and tells them that you can walk mm-hmm. across the road right now. Things like the garbage can that you mentioned earlier, I also noticed that in Kingston, there are no garbage cans. It's really annoying. I have a dog and she does dog business. <laughs> and then I end up walking around for like 20 <laughs> minutes looking for a place to throw this bloody little mm-hmm. bat. But yeah, most of the people coming in won't have a dog, and so it doesn't matter to them. And I think one of the interesting things about Canada is that A, people are, people are I think, pretty understanding that when people make breaches of social etiquette, when people break the rules, so, you know, you don't call your professor by the right name, do I call them Professor Smith or Dr. Smith, or do I call them John or whatever? Mm. And, when you don't stand up for them yeah. when they come into class or not, or if you do, nobody really minds the first time around, right? People are pretty forgiving. If you keep doing it and keep irritating them, I think people people will get more irritated. But in, in some of the other places I've lived, people are much more stern about this is the way that it is. The good news is that for students who are coming to Canada, there's a bit of flexibility. You don't have to worry if you're going to get things wrong because you'll get them wrong people will correct you or you'll see other people misbehaving or behaving in a certain way and you'll you'll understand. Hmm. Thank you, Ian. Great answer. It is also possible to experience culture shock when interacting with another immigrant in the host country. Sabrina, can you share with us if you have any experience regarding this? Sure. Um, uh, I live with an Iranian as well, my roommate. And whenever we are having conversations, like we all, it's all so many things. And I was quite surprised to hear that we grew up with stories of, you know, like ghost stories that are part of our folk culture, like stories of genies and then the fairies in our folk culture. And we grew up with those stories, right? And uh, my friend was telling me, like, according to her, Iranian stories do not focus on those horror elements. There isn't folk stories related to horror or she didn't grow up with such stories. So that was really interesting because um, I was asking her, so uh, what are the type of stories? So I was like, okay, so that means you guys are not superstitious. And she's like, no, 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 we are very superstitious. We have a lot of superstition, but we don't have those sort of characters like genes, uh, genies or um, fairies or goblins, those sort of characters in folk culture. That was so interesting to me. And it gave me a glimpse into how Iranian culture is because in order to introduce me to her folk tales, she told me about the Shahnama. So I was hmm. uh, listening uh, to Shahnama. So these are stories of the kings. Yeah. So it was so... It's not a shock per se, but it's a very 
quite interesting difference. Well, th- thank you very much, uh, Sabrina, for sharing that because it's very pleasing to know that other people from other countries know about uh, the great poets of your country. <laughs> thank you for that. Sure. Well, it was interesting that you talked about this because sometimes I get very homesick when I think about such kinds of elements that I really miss from home. And I find myself daydreaming about recreating our home in Canada with our old friends and families. Uh, what do you think about this, Ian, about being homesick? We need to talk a little and think a little about what, what that sense of being at home really means. Because the key for me is, is getting over the period where you feel alone and isolated, right? So you have a community, a network of people, you have friends, partners, family, whatever it is that are close to you in, in, the, in your new country. But I think for me, I, I've never felt at home in Canada in the sense that it's not a recreation, it's not a new version of the home that I grew up in, right? And, and part of coming to terms with, coming, with moving to the new culture is understanding that you're never going to recreate England in Canada. Right. You're never going to, and for my wife, she's never going to recreate Russia in Canada. But what you do create is something new, something interesting that has different opportunities and, and has different positives. And so I, I think I still go through through periods of, of feeling nostalgic. You know, you watch some TV show from when you were younger or, you know, there's there's some food that you remember from your childhood or from, your, from, from England. I was just like, man, I wish I could have some of that right now. You can't recreate the entire thing. You can't recreate the entire feel of home. So you have to always be thinking about trying to create something new, something that's you and something that's different. And I think, you know, I, I would say for me, I, I appreciate how lucky I am to be in Canada, given how chaotic the world has been over the last year and the last few years for, for England and for Russia, that we're extremely fortunate to be in a country where we we have medical care, we have plenty of food that there are jobs and opportunities available to us and where we do have friends and where there are lots of people who want to help us out and support us but it's different and it's always going to be different you know the, the key is not and this isn't this isn't trying to be cynical the key is not to seize this idea of the grass is always green or to find some balance between the grass is always green and then like oh, i could just move home and then everything would be perfect or if only in canada there were more garbage cans, or if only in Canada people were more respectful, if only in Canada people didn't blow their nose this way, right? To find some balance between that, if only, if only, if only, and accepting where you are and, and the way things are now without either getting trapped in the former situation in this constant like longing and constant sadness that things aren't quite the way I wanted to be, or in the other situation, accepting things as they are to such an extent that you don't want to change anything right that you just kind of sit on your backside and you're like well this is just how it is i guess it sucks forever now you can find some medium and think about the ways that you can exert control over those two two polarities
People adopt various strategies to deal with culture shock, and personally, I find embracing it is very practical. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think understanding that it's normal to have that shock. It doesn't matter how many countries you've been to in the past, how used to you are to traveling, to moving around, to being in new places. It's just inevitable. But trying to find, even if you're not finding your new best friends and they're going to be your friends forever, trying to find in the first few weeks and the first months, a few people make some connections with professionals at the International Center, with wellness, with SAS, with other services around the university, with people in your courses, just so that even if you don't feel comfortable, and even if things are going a little wrong for you personally, and hopefully they won't, at least there'll be some other people there looking out for you. And they might be the ones to, to reach out and notice that maybe things aren't going so well for you and to offer you a little bit of support. Right? So just finding some routes is enough to get you through those difficult first few months. And I think then, then seeing where things go from there. Thank you, Ian. As you explained, expecting things to be different and avoiding isolation is very helpful to deal with the shock. So we're getting close to the end of the program. Would you guys want to share any final thoughts with our listeners? Sabrina? Sure. Um, One thing I want everyone to be aware of is one thing that has been a recent culture shock for me is the recent rise of racist attacks on students, particularly students who are visible minorities, BIPOC students. And the reason I mention this is for awareness, because I feel like we need to be aware of the resources that are available to us. And we should also be aware of how circumstances change, because if we are aware of how the reality is shifting every every day, it helps us better adjust to that environment. So the reason I mentioned the recent attacks, uh, particularly in Kingston, because I myself have experienced multiple attacks, not attack per se, like verbal harassment this year. And I know I have heard from my friends, they have told me about the harassment they have faced to a point they have been like chased down the street. This is These are things that I want you to be aware of to say that Although there are positive sides, there are negative sides as well, but do not get disheartened because there is system in place. And also we are in, uh, through SGPS, we are in conversation with provost office and we are trying to uh, figure out how to help students better. So be aware that there is work going on to help students cope with them and Please always report whenever you experience something like this so that help can be provided. Well, well, thank you, Sabrina, for raising this issue. It's very important for a student to share these experiences with the officials to let them have an accurate insight of what's happening in university and plan for future strategies. Exactly, yeah. We will also have a complete episode about this issue later in the season, so tune in for that episode as well. All right, Ian? Just to say, when Canadians say that they want to help you and that there's loads of stuff available at the university, it's it's true. Canadians are like ridiculously helpful. And I didn't, I didn't believe it because of this British sort of cynical, pessimistic, <laughs> don't talk about things thing. 
but man, people really want to help and it's it's great. So take them take them at their word and, and seek help and ask for help if you need it. Otherwise, thank you. Thank you for having me, Amir. Thank you, Sabrina and Ian. It was a great pleasure talking with both of you. You have listened to the International Voices at Queen's, a podcast produced by the Queen's University International Center and Student Academic Success Services. I would like to thank Sadaf Amini for creating the music for this episode. Please support her work on her website, sadafamini.ca and other social media apps. I would also like to thank CFRC and Sylvia for the support. On behalf of the producers, Lydia, Elisa, and myself, thank you all for listening to this episode. Please tune in to the coming episodes and engage with us on social media with comments and questions. Goodbye and take care.